a random encounter at a broadcasting facility, a shared interest and love of all things Marvel, Excelsior, a misinterpreted program title, and behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick, podcaster and comic book enthusiast, and Eddie Wilson, upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast, deconstructing WandaVision. Before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and introducing our very special guest co-host, yes, Eddie co-host, I will still die on this hill about that term, but... You were right. (laughs) You were totally right. Thank you. But before we get into the usual rigmarole of dissecting or deconstructing that dead robot, we want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at The Marvelists. If you want to listen to the show, just Google The Marvelists. You can also find us on, uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Individual social media. I should have done that part, but well, whatever. But individually, Eddie is Eddie91. 9-3, I believe, on Instagram, and I'm at Peter Melnick on pretty much everything except TikTok, and it's at Peter Melnick, but better. You can also show support for the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash themarvelist, support the show, get love and rewards and all that, and uh, also early access to episodes, as well as Fantastic Voyage, our 102-issue journey, plus annuals, plus whatever the hell we can find of Stan and Jack's iconic Fantastic Four run. Also support the show on BelowTheCollar.com. It's a subsidiary of One Hour Tees slash ProWrestlingTees.com, and you can get our brand new shirt, Dad Joke Immune, featuring my favorite five-star review of the show that somehow was positive yet wasn't. Anyway, John, first off, welcome back. How is your assignment in Guam slash Uganda slash Krakoa slash whatever? Oh, it was great, you know, a lot of lot of sun, a lot of waves. Uh, glad to be back in studio, though, so thanks. Now, John, joining us on this episode is a man who is responsible for counting the number th- numbers one, two, and three really slow from time to time. He is <laughs> WWE, Jason, uh, WWE referee Jason Ayers. Jason, good morning. That didn't even work like ominous. <laughs> good morning, guys. How's everybody? Pretty good. Pretty good. How are you doing today? I'm great, man. Wonderful day here hear- in beautiful Orlando uh, where we're in- experiencing our two weeks of winter and it's dipping into the 50s. So uh, That sounds like, that uh, sounds same. so, so totally chilly. I'm snowed in right now. Literally snowed into my house right now. Unbelievable. <laughs> I've been experiencing uh, two four-day weekends in a row. My uh, job has given me snow days and it is delightful. So Nice. It, I mean, I've been stuck in the house, but one of those benefits of being stuck in the house is watching this week's episode of WandaVision, episode number seven. First off, right off the bat with the title, uh, I think it was called Breaking the Fourth Wall. You're right. I'll be honest, I was kind of bummed out that it's very on the nose and it's very much, you know, something like, are they going to do it? This month marks the uh, 30th anniversary of one Wade Wilson, Deadpool would have been kind of neat to finally see, like, you know, that's like a surprise cameo, you know? But it wasn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm. 
But imagine a Deadpool cameo. That would be that's and that's what I said. I don't expect to see any real like high high budget actor in this because again when they were making this they had no way to know if it was going to be popular so having ryan reynolds in costume as deadpool come out would be so expensive and what if the show flops in the second week you know so i don't personally really expect there to be a a big established person that's why i liked the reed richards angle because if it was a character it's an actor that obviously hadn't shown up yet. I don't think we're going to see an Avenger or anyone like that come into play in this show. So we'll, maybe in, we'll see a Justice Leaguer? Yeah. Well, <laughs> supposedly there is a rumor going around about whether or not it will be Reed Richards played by the Cran... Not, not that Cran man, uh, Brian Cranston, but the other Cran man, John Krasinski, because uh-huh. he's crazy for Krasins. But the rumor is... Paul Bettany has been doing the media rounds for the show and remarked that he's going to be working alongside somebody that, well, he's always wanted to work with his entire career. And in past interviews, Paul has stated that he idolized three actors growing up. They were Robert De Niro, uh, Marlon Brando, and Al Pacino. And the thing about that is this. I don't think we would ever see De Niro in a Marvel project, at least for the foreseeable future, because he did Joker in 2019. And he's also really tight with Mr. Eyebrows himself. And, you know, he's eyebrows goals for myself. But Martin Scorsese. I'll throw my hat in the ring. Yeah, I'm not sure we're going to see Marlon Brando show up anytime soon either. Oh, I mean, you know, don't don't count him out, you know. (laughs) The horror. Vision can come back. (laughs) And... It's very possible because after 2014, when he did the rounds in media talking about it, he just randomly brought it up that he would love to be involved after watching Guardians of the Galaxy. Mr. Ooh, himself, Al Pacino, did meet with Marvel. He did meet with Kevin Feige. So, gentlemen, let's say, hypothetically speaking, this were to happen. I was going to say Marlon Brando, and I realized I would have botched that, but... Al Pacino, Marvel Universe. Who do you cast him as? Jason, oh you're God. first. Mm, man. So, I mean, I, you know, jumping ahead a little bit here, I think I think we get a reveal of a big bad at some point in the next two episodes. It, whether that's Mephisto, whether that's Nightmare, whether that's, you know, somebody above, spoiler alert, uh, the, the, uh, the heel turn that we see in this episode. But, like, would Mephisto be a good Pacino role? I, I was going to say I think I could see – what well, I think so because he'd either be – he would either just be a voice if they're going, like, the real demon route. And then if he had to go into human mode at any point, that – like, his look could definitely fit for a devil figure as well. So I think that would be a really good casting because his voice is famous enough, but he also could have that – he lo- he looks the part where he doesn't look the part of most I think Marvel characters otherwise anymore. So I like that a lot. Oh, yeah. ooh, ah, I'm the devil. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna do. So here's what I want, and this is. I'm talking Whiplash recasting. Oh, but I like uh, Mickey Iron Rourke. Man 2, <laughs> no more Mickey Rourke. <laughs> Whiplash coming back as Al with Al Pacino. No. <laughs> I'm I don't vetoing know. I've that. Got a soft spot for Mickey Rourke. 
after same the wrestler and Randy the Ram. Same. Um, I don't know. I, I I would love to see him back more than Every, Pacino. That would I feel be like wonderful. The, yeah. Mini uh, aside, real quick. Speaking of the uh, the wrestler, every time I think of that, I think of the legendary Josh Rosengrant. His uh, opinion of the ending of the movie when he goes to do the Ram Jam, he always jokingly would say, "They they cut to black right when he's in midair," and he likes to think that Randy the Ram is stuck in midair, floating just in you know eternally in space, and like they had to like pull him down with you know uh, like ropes and everything. So. Poor Ram Jam just floating off mid in uh, midair. The well, point of that story was I like stories. <laughs> maybe that's one of the multiverses that uh, we you know pluck him just like uh, Pietro and and he just falls in the middle of Westview in mid Ram Jam. Well, only if we can also get Ernest Miller as his character from uh, the wrestler to play a uh, car dealer. I'm in. I'm in. I yeah. Somebody call his mama and agent, but. In regards to also going going back over to uh, Pacino, by the way, you guys do realize that was not this will not be the first time Pacino plays the devil. If this is the case, go back to 1997, Keanu Reeves, The Devil's Advocate. So I have not seen that, but that makes me feel even better about it. I feel like if that is the case, it might be a little too on the nose because again, a lot of people were saying speculating with this episode. Like let's say. Reed Richards does show up and Reed Richards is played by John Krasinski. I feel like that's a little too on the nose with the episode being a love letter to the office and also, you know, other mockumentary style shows such as Modern Family and Parks and Rec. Yeah, I saw this mostly as a Modern Family uh, take. The opening though. Office obviously the theme song and the theme song obviously was for the office, but I think in terms of style, this is it was like pretty heavily Modern Family exclusively. I mean, obviously other shows have a similar vibe, but it felt like it was just specifically going for the Modern Family route, given what I've seen of Modern Family, which has not happened in a few years. So I was going to say, it definitely felt like it was more of a Modern Family style than a, you know, office style uh, yeah. in, in, in the office piece. Now, I, I, I wonder, though, if that office intro was more of a nod to those of us that were like, oh, my God, we're going to get. John Krasinski as Reed Richards, even though we've already got Jim Halpert in the show playing Jimmy Woo. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I would be lying if I didn't. Yeah, right. I would be lying if I if I said I didn't uh, stand up from my couch when that office intro kicked on thinking, oh, my God, are we going to get him? And, you know, spoiler alert, we not so much. I was ex- I was excited to see it because it was close. You know, I was in my kitchen doing dishes and I was dancing along to it. I was all happy. I was like, "Oh, this will be interesting." I, I loved the style choice. I, I loved-, loved it. I think, um, like just the asides and stuff where they're cutting to the couches and all that made, made me laugh. I think, um, I guess the reason I liked it so much is because it finally doesn't feel uh, like ham handed. Because when you're doing the all the other stuff is outdated. So like when you're doing the '90s and the '80s and the '70s, it definitely the WandaVision show in a show feels like obviously a little more like cliche. And so seeing something that is modern definitely makes it feel less cliche. And I think it's funny because if you go 10 years in the future, people watching the show are going to see this episode as still being a cliche, but um, it kind of like felt, I don't know. Everything was brought up to speed. And I think that was obviously done on purpose, but it was nice because since the show is unraveling, since WandaVision inside of WandaVision is unraveling, it's kind of up to speed with what we're doing in the modern day anyways. So it, it kind of, I don't know, I think stylistically fits really well, timing-wise. 
And in regards to the idea of not introducing Krasinski in this episode, I feel like they're doing something really good with the idea of not making everything so expected, you know, like mm-hmm. with Darcy mm-hmm. Lewis getting brought back into uh, Wanda's hex. A lot of people I know were expecting her to maybe reprise her role, Kat Denning's role from the show Two Broke Girls in the style of being a waitress. And I'm just like, yes, that's too on the nose. That's very like you want that to happen. So it won't happen. And it's like. I feel like things like that can be a low-hanging fruit with that. And with that, you know, like I mentioned back in uh, episode number two slash three, when, you know, we had in the first, uh, I think, first episode, uh, what's her name? The one from that 70s show. And she did not show up in the 70s episode at all. And I was like, oh, I wanted to see Kitty Foreman again. But again... That's what we're expecting to see happen and ends up, you know, not happening. And again, it, it leads to a minor disappointment, but I feel everything else that the episode accomplishes makes up for that, you know, one second of disappointment. And and I feel like there's a little bit of that fine line between fan service and pandering there, too. You know, like, like, yeah. oh, we got you. We gave you what you expected. When also we're all this is the same episode where we're getting that reveal of Agnes and Agatha, which, you know, those of us that follow any sort of the source material have kind of seen coming from the first three seconds of the first episode, that that's where this is headed. And so it's, you know, you're already getting that reveal that isn't really a reveal because you know, it's coming and it's expected. If they throw all these other little moments of, Oh, there's the other thing. Okay. They're just, they, you know, this is, they're painting by numbers on this episode. Yeah. Yes. I think uh, subverting expectations is sometimes as important as like making those expectations. So as long as you're doing a mixture, which they've been doing, I think they have had some expected stuff, some unexpected stuff. Um, And I think this episode, there was a lot of like, I think props were much more important with like the little details in the props in this episode. I think the reason is um, stylistically like 2010s shows had more of that stuff because since the internet became super popular, people go and they look at the fan theories. So I think the little props throughout the episode are interesting. Some of which were just like, you know, the cereal she ate was called sugar snaps. Ha ha ha. Mm. Some of it was more like there was little things that I got. There was a blur when she was pouring the milk, there was like a missing child on the label that like was a little blonde boy. And I don't know what that means. I was looking at it. And I don't know if it means that it means his family is missing him. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I'm just, no, I'm just like, I'm curious if some of this stuff is plot driven or not. There was a few, there was one prop at the end of the episode that was very much a plot thing. Um, If you guys saw in Agatha's like layer, there was a book there that was from Dr. Like from the Sorcerer Supreme library that Mm. was missing, Mm -hmm. which was a huge, like that was a huge like tie in that makes me feel like. You know, Mephisto gave that to this Agatha witch to make her powerful, and he's not going to be in this show, but he's going to show up in Doctor Strange. It felt like a very, very obvious connection that just, like, clicks a lot of that stuff together, for me at least. For sure. And, you know, talking props, the other thing I noticed, there was a lot of red and gold throughout the show. So, like, Wanda's... Uh, dishes when she went to pour the uh, you know pour herself a bowl of cereal they were all red and gold uh, the Nexus ad was red and gold 
I wonder if that's where we're going. If we are, if if, if it is a Mephisto reveal as the big bad of the show at some point, you know, even if it's just a, a quick moment or something, if that's the color scheme we're going with there is a red with kind of a gold um, bit on the outfit. And then, and then we're kind of, you know, laying the groundwork for that in this episode too. Not a prop, but a line that was remarked uh, during the episode that, you know, got a, a kick out of me as somebody who is, you know, a cord cutter. I appreciated hearing the remark about how we can no longer get the signal from the hex from inside. It's no longer coming through. Back around uh, 2011, 2012, the FCC mandated that it is no longer, they're no longer allowed any network or station to have a over-the-air broadcasting feed, you know, they can get over an antenna. So when that line came up, I was thinking to myself, oh, they're acknowledging now it's a new age where you can't get a television signal through an, you know, like a classic style antenna. So it, cool. yeah, it's a neat little Easter egg. And, you know, as something like that, that just, you know, it's, if you uh, are into that kind of sort of stuff, they're actually now officially finally going through with it. And all of those antenna style receptions, you can no longer get as of this upcoming summer. So, um, I don't know. I think they're all right. Here's my question. I guess since we're talking about Mephisto now, um, do you think Mephisto was the cameraman that called out Wanda or not? That's a good call. Because, um, like, I, here's my thought. Like, the, the person, the cameraman's on, for sure, the cameraman isn't um, someone in the town. Because he like, he's speaking to her of his own accord. He's existing outside of that. So he is someone else. Um, I will say, if it is Mephisto, the voice that I, I listened to the, that line a couple times. Do you think it's because you deserve it or whatever? Um, and I... Like, it didn't sound very Mephisto-y, so I don't know. I really hope they're not going um, the Ares route from the Wonder Woman movie, where it's, like, the most unassuming guy, where, it, you know, uh, I hope Mephisto's imposing. I'd be mad if he wasn't. But the voice didn't sound like an imposing figure, but it's that camera guy is important. Like, he's he's not just a townsfolk, you know? He's someone else. See, I was thinking it was a townsperson. Really? Yeah? Yeah. So, like, do you think Agatha pulled, like, a townsperson out? So, because he's acting from beyond the wall. He's part of the film crew, not one of the actors. You know what I mean? Like, that would be very interesting if it was a townsperson. I would, that's what I'll say. Maybe it's a demon. Could be, yeah. Well, that's what I'm thinking. It might not be Mephisto. Maybe it's just someone else, like, that is filling that, you know, demon role of some kind. But I'm, I'm curious. And that, that remark where Wanda goes, you're not supposed to talk. Mm. Or how did she say it? It's straight. I mean, she's in on it to a point, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's just and, very you know, ominous. Is this is this something like maybe the similar to the mailman, where he's obviously he's somebody because we keep seeing him. You know is is that is that mailman character tied in with all this? The delivery man. There's a couple people that just seem like they're kind of floating above where everyone else is floating. So I'm curious, well, who are those people not the same as the others? Or are those people just like more mentally fit or fortitude, you know? Yeah. Personally, I wish the one uh, person in the town, you know, the one guy in the town would come back, the uh, mustache guy. I really miss him. And I'm shocked that he has not shown up since <sighs> I think episode f uh, three or four. 
when the power went out, yeah, he's I, he was really funny. He was one of, my, one of the better parts of the first half of the season. I, I, I agree completely. I wish he was around more. Spinoff time? I, I would I would hope so. He, watch spinoff show. Come on. He could be in charge of the uh, new uh, Warriors. Give him a skateboard. He could be the new Night Thrasher. Oh, dude, that would be such a good superhero team. They're the neighborhood watch and they're just going around taking care of like the smallest time stuff. It's like the Great Lakes Avengers kind like of a, thing. Like a procedural cop drama, but like not a good one. <laughs> yeah, like just it's stupid. And co- I would watch I would watch that. I would watch that before I'd watch. Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'd prefer to see that first. Well, we got one viewer through Nielsen. (laughs) Now, also with this episode, this episode did not have a commercial where it was as controversial as last week's. Uh, I want to rewind back to last week's episode with that commercial because there were a lot of heated debates about that commercial. And I'm one of those people. I think it's really stupid to say that the shark represents Thanos. No, it does not. It does not whatsoever. I completely disagree because he's not purple enough. I I agree with you. Yes. Um, it's one of those things like you can tie a line to whatever you want. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like I, since Thanos is a character archetype, you could tie him to it, I guess. But I think like what's really the point um, of that? I took it more as, and we didn't talk about, we didn't discuss this cause I was off the air, but I, I took it more as like uh, the townsfolk being unable to, to, to control themselves and to eat. And like the kid dies, even though he has food cause he can't eat it. Like I took that as like, that's what's happening to the townsfolk, which is, I guess is a little darker, but like that seemed more likely to me than Thanos is as a representation, you know, especially the weakness of the child trying to open it. He can't do it. And they're not allowed to really do anything. Like there's, you know, the woman last week doing the thing with the clothesline over and over and over. I, I wondered if it was more of a, an analogy for, Wanda that she, you know, she's trying to feed her missing piece, you know, by recreating vision and bringing him back, but it's not quite what you, what you need to, to you know, to, to feed, yeah, to feed that hunger that she has. Her, yeah. Exactly. And, and nice, you know, nice. And, and starves to death, but from a, a grief standpoint, from a, you know, her soul starves to death. Yeah, I could see that. I would be. I, I. That's a good interpretation, I think. And I think some of this stuff is that's all it's going to be. Like, I'm, there's not like it's not like there's not some greater answer. It's just how you interpret it. And so I, I like that interpretation a lot, actually. And again, with this episode and the previous one, I like that there are moments like that where they lead to massive amounts of debates because this is this is what we want for this. We want this kind of discourse for the show, you know. Mm-hmm. And with you know this week's episode, what did you guys think of the commercial? Um, it was fine. It didn't give me much. Maybe that's my fault. Uh, I guess maybe I was excited for the rest of the episode. Uh, but I thought it was all right. It didn't hit me like some of the other commercials have. Yeah, and I don't. Was I don't, a I don't think there's. An, oh. I don't think there's quite as much to really interpret on this one, uh, like like we've had on the last few that have clearly been references to you know to her traumas over the years. Um, and over the over the movies and over the what we've seen thus far, but like I feel like this one might end up being more important to where we're going in the future with the you know bringing up the nexus and um, the fact that you know obviously in in the source material she's you know the nexus of all realities and that one thing that's the same in all the various universes of the multiverse. That's yeah, that's the thing about that, and I would also say. 
in regards to it. I feel like it was very much a if you have to go with going back to the whole concept of Thanos being, you know, the point of one of the commercials. This one would be more Thanos due to the nihilism of the commercial, like right at the very end where it's just like whatever, you know. And, you know, Thanos being the ultimate nihilist, especially in the comics, the source material in the original, you know, uh, Jim Starlin run, that's what Thanos is. He is a nihilist completely. So that kind of that kind of wording of how the commercial ends, it's basically literally the commercial going or whatever. I don't care. So it's it's very, uh, very apropos. And yes, no, I, I agree. Let's talk about the big deal about this episode, that quote-unquote twist which we all saw coming but was still pretty damn baller when it did happen. I'm, of course, talking about Sparky dying. Damn her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, an unfortunate moment. Um, I like how much the internet kind of blew up about that. It it was very much a... uh, I love... I love how it went back to the 1950s, 1960s style of jingle for it, too, because you don't like it it was very much a kind of like a recap of everything going on, because you see the recap in the sense of, you know, her actions and everything and all of her old costumes. But then you see the recap of just everything through the story, you know, you know, I think I think it kind of hammers home uh, from a storytelling standpoint that if you really need to turn a character heel, to borrow a phrase, uh, just have him kill the family dog. And it's pretty cemented at that point. Like, that is a bad guy, and there is no going back from that now. Yes. Well, like, everyone on the internet was like, I can excuse this, but going, killing Scruffy's too far, you know? (laughs) Um, The John Wick memes have been ridiculous. Oh, I loved that. I've seen one of those. And I wanted to share it on the page, but I'm just like, ah, 24-hour spoiler rule. I don't want to risk it. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen like just like five of the same like John Wick loading his pistol shot. That just it just makes me laugh. I, and I think too. I think the reason like the what I'll say with this jingle is it seemingly ties up the sitcom angle to the show. Like the show started with that, you know, fifties sixties kind of vibe, and it's it just that episode just ended there. It ended with the black and white. It ended with that jingle, and I think that puts a bow on the genres and I don't think we're going to see any more sitcom stuff or actually any more television show stuff. It's just going to be all of the characters in like the drama that is like the outside world has been in is going to be what the entire show is from now on. So I do believe that's why the show ended the way it did is to kind of wrap up the, that's the end of the show. I think it'd be Mm. hilarious if they did like a mini episode in the style of uh, comedy shows of this decade where it's literally just zoom meetings with uh, face masks. (laughs) <laughs> we all cry but yeah, I, I very much uh, appreciated the jingle and just like the style because like it was very much of its time and it encapsulated what the character of Agnes Agatha Harkness is about and I, I love watching people for some people that they got the name Agatha Harkness and then Agnes. Agnes is a hot uh, mixture of the two yes. names together. Like they literally had the exploding mind gif uh, reaction to that. I'm just like, you just got this. <laughs> You've been yeah. late to class for like how many weeks now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's interesting. I don't know. I think she's a good villain though. She's definitely shown her chops. Like I've seen her mostly in comedic roles, and I think that 
she was still comedic in that. It's funny because she's still funny. Like she's got the like people. Someone has said I like the Creed moment of like I've been a kid once as her aside, and she's got like the laugh. And she's she has a funny dynamic character. She's still playing. She's a character actress, but it is also something more sinister than I've ever seen her in because she usually just does you know dumb comedies or whatever, quote unquote dumb. Yeah, everybody, everybody in this show has been absolutely killing it from a, from an acting standpoint. Between yeah. her and Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany and uh, you know Kat Dennings, like everybody across the board on this show has just shown new range that you didn't see from them prior to this. I feel like. I feel like Catherine I Hans. Completely agree. Catherine Hans' newest range is dog killing, apparently. So that's you know really impressive of her. But uh, a little bit dark, nice. John. You can edit that one out. No, no, no. no. I, don't worry. I won't. But um, no, I uh, I agree. I think, and I think, and I'm just so excited because I love that mixing genres of like. I think TV is in some capacities a better storytelling medium than movies. I think movies are really good for event based things, like oh, a big purple you know alien just killed half the population like that's a good movie plot because it's an event but in terms of character development shows are just so much better because you just have more time to explore and so i think using both of those things in tandem is what makes for the best franchises where you can have tv shows that extrapolate characters with movies that push events that are important and i think that's where marvel's gonna go where it's pretty much gonna be mini series for different characters and different story arcs that give you important information and then when you put paul bettany or when you put like elizabeth olsen back on the big screen you're gonna care more and so i think yeah. that's something that they're gonna keep doing and i think their success is gonna push this is where the future i think of media is gonna be i believe that if you can afford it you're gonna see franchises doing both canon same universe you know tv and film yeah, and you know the episodic nature of this really helps from uh, from keeping the discussion alive standpoint too, because you know being a weekly episodic release, just like you know, any other TV show, you get that week of discussion of okay, what's going to happen next week? Okay, what's going to happen next week? And it keeps the discussion alive for what eight nine weeks wherever we're at, and just about the time you finally processed everything that happened in this show, well, a week to catch your breath, and now it's time for Falcon and Winter Soldier. It keeps that, you know, it keeps Marvel in the forefront. I think they kind of figured this out with The Mandalorian, too, but it keeps that IP in the forefront of pop culture discussion, which is huge from a marketing standpoint, you know, it, whereas with a movie, okay, so it's been out for two, three weeks now, and now it's kind of starting to taper off, and it's on to you know, uh, Wreck-It Ralph 3 or whatever. <laughs> and th that's the thing about, you know, keeping it in the public conscious. The idea of, especially memeability, you know, and I, I've brought this up on the show before, but again, any person's episode might be their first, Stan Lee theory. But with that, you know, like, I absolutely loved Cobra Kai. And it was one of those shows, like, I binged the first, or I binged the third season over that weekend. And that was, like, one of the few times I've actually gone out and done that. And I feel like no one's talking about Cobra Kai anymore, like, at all. And the only the only way I've seen Cobra Kai referenced in recent memory was in a Cobra Kai shitposting group I'm in on Facebook. And it's otherwise no <laughs> one else is talking about it. And, you know, like, if you guys remember... Henry Cavill in The Witcher, his, you know, 
expletive ridden uh, meme of ah fuck like that just disappeared like that was a meme for a grand total of two weeks meanwhile and again i again i will always use this as the biggest example the mandalorian every single week there was a new meme with the exception of one week and it was always in the pub you know public consciousness and WandaVision is still in the public consciousness because now this week, the big thing talking about is Agatha Harkness and what she did. You know, last week was a lot of discussion about the commercial, a lot of discussion about, you know, the Malcolm in the Middle element of it. It's always going to be there for the foreseeable future. And then it's, it like builds up, you know, like week by week by week. And then you combine it all together and it has a much more lasting impression. People are still talking about, you know, Grogu on The Mandalorian. Like, there's that. It's always going to be there. So I think it's smart with how they're doing this. I agree. Um, when it's one of those, if you if you throw enough stuff at a wall, like, eventually something's going to stick. I uh, And I will say, we haven't talked about one of the other most important aspects of this episode so far. Monica Rambeau, um, who is now Pulsar, Photon. Okay. The next Captain Marvel? I don't know. Um, I think, personally, she's going to fill Captain Marvel role. Because maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like Captain Marvel um, was not a character everyone liked. Like, they didn't love, not even the movie or whatever. Like, I think pe- some people really didn't like the character. Um, and so I could see them pulling Brie Larson back a little bit and having, you know, Photon be the kind of replacement for Earth, like a more Earth-based whatever, and you see Captain Marvel sometimes in the uh, intergalactic sphere or for the big movies, but you're going to see Monica Rambeau maybe more. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's kind of how I have viewed her potential character arc. I think Next Wave is the next thing, although it's a little bit of a uh, murky kind of thing due to the creator of Next Wave, Next Wave, Warren Ellis, kind of being a scumbag. So take that for what you will. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I uh, wanted. I, I think we will see. I mean, I don't know if just because the if a creator's got issues, if they're not going to use a storyline, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I guess it depends, uh, and I I think a lot of it too depends on how like contentious really a figure is. Like, if a Main Street audience is going to not know about, you know, the creator of, you know, a comic book series, then. They're not going to care, you know? Also, I should say alleged scumbag, just, you know, just in case. <laughs> but in regards to that, you know, with the character of uh, Monica, I absolutely loved everything she was doing in this episode. And I also enjoyed, she kept doing it in little moments. She was doing the superhero landing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, it's stance. further, yeah. it's so furthering <laughs> home that she is a hero and she has that ability to be one. And I'm excited to see where they go with her character because she she honestly could be a leader of a team in the Marvel Universe because she has that stoicness. She has that resolve. She has that ability. So fingers crossed. Well, she's going to be. I mean, I think she's going to be the sword commander at some point um, at the very least. Or they'll take her more of the superhero route, like working outside the government or whatever, and she'll lead a team. But she definitely has got the leadership capability. I'm just looking for more from her in terms of like emotional development. Like she's very, so far, she's a good 
character in terms of like being in it and like getting stuff done, but I don't see inside her head a lot. Like, you know what I mean? She's not one of those characters we have an emotional attachment to. I was describing it last night to my friend as like, she seems like the friend that you like a lot, but only see in group settings. Like that's how I feel about her character. And I really hope they give her an emotional arc at some point. Yeah. She needs something where she's the, the prime where it's a primary vehicle for her as opposed to, Yes. A secondary character in Wanda and Vision's story. Yeah, I think she'll get it, too. I do, we'll too. We'll see. I, I think she will get it. People like her, so I think she'll get that. I just, until then, I'm like, I think she could do well, but I'm not committed to her yet. I don't love her yet. I hope that they give me a reason to. Now, overall, what would you guys say is your general feelings of this episode? I was going to say, I I enjoyed this one. Um, I, I feel like this was, like you said, kind of a wrap up episode leading into the last two episodes being the big gigantic epic finale to the nine episode arc on this entirety. Um, I, I think it tied up a lot of loose ends while also leaving a lot of things still open to build on going into the climax of the whole story. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, you know, like you said, it was the last of feels like at least the last of the sitcom episodes. Cause I mean, we can't exactly do a 2020s sitcom per se, or a 2030s sitcom. Cause we don't know what that's going to be yet. So like, you know, it kind of, there's really nowhere, nowhere else to go with that arc to it. So, um, and then obviously the, the Agnes Agatha reveal that we kind of all saw coming had to happen. And to wrap up with that, I think it was, it was a perfect way to end that, portion of the show yeah i agree i think i think it's a good setup arc i think this is like it was needed this is a needed vehicle this episode is pushing it into like the end game and uh i what i think will probably my if i had a guess what's gonna happen is obviously agatha's got the kids we might see a mephisto reveal but i don't think we will i think it's gonna be more hinted at or like a uh maybe very for a second kind of thing. And I think they're gonna lose Billy. I I think like, I think they're going to have, they're going to have a fight over the kids trying to get the kids back. And I think we're going to see Wiccan fall into the hands of, um, evil for now as this end to the series. Maybe not, but this series has enough nuance that I think they're going to leave it with something negative. They're going to leave a loose end to be tied later. And I feel like they're going to, they're going to take that and uh, manipulate him a bit to give his character a little more nuance. And I think having like the two twins on different sides is going to be interesting, which is going to be also in my mind, a reversed version of having Pietro and Wanda be seemingly on different sides Mm. right now. So maybe I'm wrong, but that's like what I would have done if I was writing this show. (laughs) Overall, I'd say this was a fun episode. It, like, This is the one time for this episode I did not watch the show for a second time because I feel like all of the beats were there, you know, like in my mind of, okay, this, 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 this. It's very, it was very much a fun episode. And again, that twist, quote unquote twist that, you know, we did see a mile away, but I feel like it's, it's not the ultimate ending for this, obviously, because again, we still got two episodes coming up and... Just a little uh, aside, uh, this is a reference to a couple weeks ago when I had mentioned I saw leaked footage. And now that everything's been, you know, officially released, uh, 
they had shown footage of what we're going to be experiencing in the next episode, but that same footage has been also utilized in upcoming commercials for eight and nine. Oh boy, we are off to a pretty damn great start with that ending. And it's from what I've seen, it does look really intense. And I would say I'm going to miss the sitcom element of it because it's as, you know, as someone who prefers comedy more to, you know, serious drama or, you know, just any like most genres, it is going to be a bummer to see it gone. And I, I would love to see Marvel utilize a sitcom style again in the near future. Like if they could pull it off with this, I feel like they could do it with something else as well. Thank you for yeah, coming I think to my as long TED as talk. They keep switching genres, you know, you're doing different things like that and just showing us different characters and lights that we haven't seen before. I think they're going to have a lot of success, be it in sitcom or horror or sci-fi or whatever, you know? And where do you guys see the next two episodes going? You know, I, uh, I th- I'll let Jason take because I kind of said my I already said my piece a little bit there. Yeah, I kind of I, I feel like this, you know, this is the point you talk about subverting expectations and giving us what we expect at times. I feel like this is the part where we gear shift into what we expect from a Marvel Cinematic release. And now we're going to get the big, you know, explosions and you know, punchy time and like the, the, the superhero <laughs> story moment. Like, I, I feel like that's yes. what a lot of these next two episodes are going to be is, you know, strong people punching each other. Now yeah, I would vision and Wanda working together. Monica Rambo coming in as well right. versus Agatha fake Pietro. Um, yeah, I agree with you. And speaking of Pietro, Yes. That post credit scene. John, did you see the post credit scene? I did. It was weird. Um, this is the I, one I time I stayed. That he's a bad guy? I would say so, and I would say he is a part of her team, uh, Agatha Harkness's team. So. Yeah. He seemed. I was expecting him to knock her out. I was expecting like a like a like a, a wooden bo- two by four to the back of the head after that line. So I was kind of honestly shocked. Like I was just like, "Snooper's gonna snoop," and then I was expecting this like a like a, a smack to black kind of thing. But uh, so yeah, I think I, I agree. I, I think it kind of confirms he's part of the team. Now I, I wonder though. I wonder though on that scene if, and I don't know if you guys noticed this after he dropped that line, Monica's eyes flashed that same shade of purple as yes. Agatha Harkness. So is Pietro through Agatha now mind controlling Monica also? Is that where we're picking up this next episode possibly? Could that would be interesting. I don't know if I'd like that, but I could see it happening based on that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that could be an interesting angle with it for sure i'm really kind of still curious on what pietro's gig is like i want to know i'm curious i hope they explain a little more you know villain monologue or something to explain a little more in the next episode or two well again going back over to pietro by the way with the subverting expectations i also love the fact that we got the fox character quote-unquote back but he's not the Fox character. He's not wearing the band T-shirts. He's not wearing the headphones. He's not, you know, doing all the stuff that we're used to in the Fox verse. And 
I like that they mix things up a little, but still retained that, you know, sense of uh, flavor to the character. And one of my favorite moments, by the way, from last week was his remark of, you can't bring your dead husband back uh, again. And that line, the way he delivers it, maybe it was just me. He reminded me of like Alan Alda of MASH for some reason, as I heard that line, you know? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Alan Alda should join the Marvel Universe. Why not? I would watch that. I think I'm the only one who yeah, would so watch I think that. It was a, you know, definitely a good, uh, I think um, it was a good setup. I think the show's going in the right direction. I, I think Mephisto's at this point pretty much confirmed. Uh, I don't know if, Peter, if you listened to the end of the last week's episode that I recorded on, but I did. in the Halloween episode there, there's a couple, there were a couple very clear shots of like demon inflatables and stuff like that that kept getting cut to like just red inflatable fiery head or the red inflatable used car park tube man and there it just very clearly seemed like big demon is coming so it's either mephisto or i don't know there's a couple other demons i guess it could be but it's going to be one of those um i think pretty much like in my opinion confirmed at this point uh, I'd be super surprised if if not, you know. To quote Billy D. Williams in Batman '89, "Ghosts and goblins." And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right, that's gonna put a bow on this episode of deconstructing Wandavision. But before we go, Jason, thank you for being on the program today. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. Yeah, great talking. Thank you. And also, Jason, how can people get a hold of you on social media? Uh, so I'm on pretty much every social media in existence uh, as Jason Ayers, A-Y-E-R-S-W-W-E. Uh, you can look for the one with the blue check on most of them. But uh, yeah, uh, Instagram, Twitter, pretty much everything. Feel free to reach out. I, I love talking comics. Very cool. All right. So <clears throat> for the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Jason Ayers. And I'm John Sherburn. Excelsior. And flame on. Goodbye. <laughs> All of the things. See you later. Alligator. And I killed the dog. I don't eat food Forky. either. Forky.